Thank you, guys. We are uh, thankful that uh, you are here today. Uh, I'm going to ask Freddie, if he would, to go ahead and come on up. Um, introduce you to um, uh, a friend of ours. This is uh, Freddie T. Um, why, why do they call you Freddie T? I mean, like, is, is, it, is it a secret? Is it, what, well, what? evidently it is to you, but I'll tell you and everybody here. Um, my middle name's Thomas, okay. and they named me after my dad. So when I was being born, my mom said, I don't know if I can handle two Freddies around the house. And my uncle said, call him Freddie T. So in our home, if my mom hollered Freddie growing up, if I answered, she would say, your name is not Freddie. Your name is Freddie T. So I tried to drop the T when I went to college because I just didn't think it was that cool. And uh, my mom's didn't haunting work. echo. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, most nicknames <laughs> like that usually come from something that happened in college or right, something right. that we would like to shed. So it's, it's amazing to me that your mom's nickname stuck. I think that's awesome. Uh, so uh, uh, without spending much time on this, I just want to introduce you to Freddie. Uh, Freddie is going to be sharing with us today, and, and I've, we've been sharing about uh, what, what God is doing and kind of moving in a, in a work that's going to be happening in Sango. Uh, and uh, Freddie is uh, a bit of the result of that. Uh, we, we've been, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but for, I don't know, like two or three years, I've been meeting, maybe longer than that, I've been meeting, and some of the other pastors here have been meeting with other pastors uh, over something that uh, we didn't know would it ever take flight or whatever, just feeling, feeling like God wanted to start a new church in Sango, and so we've been praying about that and just been, you know, kind of, and so long story short, um, you know, um, Freddie uh, is from the Clarksville area uh, and has been a part of a couple of church plants already. Uh, and uh, God has since led him back and he, he's the guy. Uh, and so they're going to be planting uh, in Sango. I'll let him share all about that. And and I want to I want to just again. I said this last week. I want you to just kind of have your hearts open as as you as you listen to Freddie. Uh, you might like him more or something like that. Uh, there's a few people we may just like send to you anyway, just because we want to get rid of them. But uh, uh, but no, we we uh, we want to. Uh, those are the best ones for a church plant. Let me tell you, we got a couple of those when we first started too. <laughs> Took a couple years to shed them. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that's the truth. Uh, but, uh, but no, uh, we, uh, we, we want you to just be open to what God might be leading. God may lead some of you to be a part of the work that Freddie is going to be doing. Uh, and, and we're going to be a sponsor church and a part of this process and all that good stuff too. So anyway, Freddie, thank you for being here with us. You do your thing. I mean, the spirit was thick, so don't screw it up. Okay. Thanks, man. Oh, well. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 9, if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can lift your hand and some folks will come and bring you a Bible. Just Acts chapter 9. I, I'll just jump right on to that because, you know, maybe you're already curious about whether or not the Lord would lead you into a brand new adventure. And about 20 years ago, I, um, I got on a plane to go fly and preach somewhere. And uh, let me just pause there just for a second and just say this just feels like a little bit of a family reunion. Uh, for me uh, this morning with Nathan and Jenna leading, just incredible because I grew up with those guys. And then with Gail on the front row who taught me in Sunday school, just crazy. Nathan, Vic, and I played baseball together in high school. I got to introduce my boy to Nathan as like the best switch hitter that I ever played with. And it's just 
So I feel like I'm kind of coming home here. I, your pastor, uh, in our first meeting together, it's cool being with old friends and new friends this morning, but in our first meeting together, we let, as we were leaving the meeting, he looked to one of the other pastor dudes and said, I love you, out loud, you know, and, um, and my heart just about leaped out of my chest because, like, I'm that kind of guy, and I don't run into too many other guys that, are, that have the strength to be able to say to another dude, I love you, in public, out loud. And, uh, and so I messaged your pastor that week and said, hey, I don't know how, I don't know how you're going to take this, but thank you for saying I love you out loud to that other pastor dude. And um, man, it has been a great morning here already. And uh, I told, I was, at, I was at First Baptist Jolton last week, and I told him, well, if I wasn't planting the church, I'd probably go to church here. But I'm pretty sure now, if I wasn't planting the church, I'd go to church here. Yeah, this is amazing. And um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Somebody text Brother David, you know, and just say, um, <laughs> um, so, so may, you know, maybe it is in your heart. You're, maybe you live right down there, you know, by exit 11 or somewhere tucked away in Sango, and you're curious as to whether or not the Lord would lead you to be a part of this. And all of life is an adventure when you're following Jesus and walking with Jesus. And so I was about 20, got on a plane to fly somewhere, thought I was big stuff. I assure you, getting on an airplane to, to go and uh, preach somewhere. I said, fly somewhere, fly somewhere to preach somewhere. Anyways, I, I, I was the backup guy, the guy that was supposed to speak at the deal, canceled last minute, and I was available. So, um, but I get to this, these two ladies pick me up, they take me to Cracker Barrel to eat, and, uh, and they take me to the hotel, and they said that the hill is right over, I mean, the church is right over the hill. So when you get ready, just walk over the hill, and we'll be there. And so I, you know, get settled in the, in the, uh, hotel, I get my backpack strapped on, and I start walking up this hill, and immediately I realize, and you guys maybe have been here, and maybe some of you are here this morning, don't point anybody out, but I was like 20, so my mom wasn't reminding me when I needed a haircut, so I had that thing going down the back of my neck that's just nasty, you know what I'm talking about, when you're like two weeks overdue for a haircut, and, uh, and so I prayed, I prayed, Lord, it would be great if I could get my hair cut before I have to stand in front of these people and preach all weekend. And immediately I turned to my left and there's a Schmitty's barbershop. There it is right there. So I'm like, that was awesome, God. Thank you. So I walk into the barbershop, the bell rings, I walk in and nobody's in there. And, uh, so about the time I'm about to head out of the barbershop, this big dude, where, Jay, is Jay, Jay Penny? Jay, is your last name Penny? Where's Jay? Is he in, is he in the house? Is he, he's, he's working. He's tucked out. So imagine like, imagine like Jay Penny at 60, it's 65 years old with no shirt on, all right? And this is the guy that comes around the corner, okay? So I'm at the door. There's a guy. He has camouflage suspenders on, all right? Some of you might be like, my kind of barber. And uh, so, so I'm at this point of decision here, right? Because here's the guy, no shirt on, hairy, it, like I'll get out and... and uh, so I just asked, is this where you get a haircut? Because I'm not quite sure, right? And he said, it might be. And I'm like, oh, this is smart aleck, right? And I said, well, I don't want much. He said, you're not going to get much. It's like, thanks. So rather than going out like any wise person would, I sit down in the chair and he starts cutting my hair. He says, what are you doing in town? I said, well, I'm preaching for this youth event over the hill. And, uh, and so immediately he goes into this old preacher's voice, Vance Havner. 
And he said, Vans Havner, greatest preacher ever was. And he starts washing my hair and preaching me this sermon in Vans Havner's voice. And I'm like, what is going on? You know? And he goes back to his voice only to say, lean up. You know? And then he goes back into Vans Havner's voice. And he's washing my hair and he gives me a haircut. And we get done and he gives me this calendar, Billy Graham calendar. And he gives me his card. And it's like half barber, half evangelist, you know, Schmitty. And so I leave just going, God, that was absolutely amazing, right? And so maybe you're thinking this morning, you know, well, I don't know what I don't know what being involved in a new church plant would be like. I know I know 24 Church was a church plant about 10 years ago, but I'm not sure I want to, you know, I listen, when you're on when you're when you're following Jesus, it is an adventure and you never know who's going to walk around the corner, right? No, so that's just a fun story that I want to tell you. When I got to the church, somebody said, I told him the story because I thought, this is amazing. And some kids said, isn't that the guy that got drunk and was preaching on top of a car at at the football game a couple of years ago? He's like, well, I don't know if that was the guy or not. But (laughs) Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be in this morning. Um, I want to look at at, at five quick characteristics of the church that we ought to embody, five quick characteristics of the early church and uh, that we would be, would do well to embody in you know, I, I often laugh when people say, we need to get back to the early church. We need to be like the early church. I always laugh and say, well, which one? Like Corinth? You know, where they were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper and they had incest going on and they were fighting with one another. You know, oftentimes we have kind of this, this uh, glamorized or, or romantic view of what the early church is like. When really the church and, and, you know, from the inception of the church, they've always had bright spots and dark spots, you know. And, uh, and it's like you guys this morning, you got bright spots and you got dark spots. And when we gather here, the Lord is kind to show us those dark spots where we can repent of and experience His grace. But in this opening, rather in, in verse 31, we're just doing one verse this morning. Can you handle that? It's chock full, though, of good stuff. Chapter 9, verse 31. Let's read it. And let's see some of those things that Luke is commending to us. Is that we would do well to embody as a church. Look at verse 31 with me. So the church... Throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we consider your word, you would speak to us personally and powerfully that we would not miss your voice this morning. So come now, Lord, your children are listening. Speak, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we see this first uh, characteristic of the early church that we would do well to embody right here in verse 31, right at the start. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. They had peace. Maybe you came in this morning and you feel like your life is a mess, just filled with turmoil, and you hear that word peace, and you feel like it's that elusive thing that you just can't get your hands on but when you consider the context of this of the church here having peace it's absolutely stunning because the church had just experienced the stoning of Stephen do you remember that you just turn a few pages back and I think it's chapter six chapter seven rather you see uh, this bold Christian being stoned to death and then just a paragraph or two up look at verse 23 when many days had passed the Jews plotted to kill him that's Saul there they plotted to kill him but their plot became known rather uh, rather, the, uh, rather some of the early disciples here, the plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gate the days the night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall. So, so they were seeking to kill Saul who, here, who's been converted. He's running for his life. 
In modern days, some of us are a little uneasy about the whole like North Korea thing, right? Every time we read the news, we don't have peace. But here the Christians actually were concerned about their life, and yet the Scripture says they had peace. How do you get that kind of peace? You can only get that from Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're new to Christianity. Maybe a friend brought you. Maybe you came in with your cousin this morning. Maybe you're not so sure what you think about Christianity. But here's the good news is that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth and died on the cross to take our sin away and to bring us into a relationship with God, our Maker, who gives us perfect peace. So how do, how do we know Jesus' death was enough for us? Well, Jesus, well, God raised him from the dead to say his death was enough for you. And so you can do all the hot yoga you want, you know, and you can get your house like super clean and you can build your bank account up. But none of those things can truly give you this kind of peace. But Jesus can. A relationship with the living God can give you peace. And that's the only place that you can truly have peace. Some of you this morning, marriage is kind of feeling like it's just not what you were hoping it was going to be. And God can give you peace regardless of what your circumstance is this morning through Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel is that God gives us peace in crazy circumstances. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Now I'm going to give you a sentence this morning that I think will help you for the rest of your life. So I hope You'll write it down, and here it comes. If you got your pencil ready, you just got to capture this. I may not say anything else that's worthy of writing down, and this quote is not original with me, but here it is. The mature, punch it into your phone. Don't trust your memory. The mature are easily edified. Did you get that? The mature are easily edified. The church here was being built up. They were being built up in their faith. And it's a tough day in church life because you can get on and you can listen to a podcast of like super preachers all over the world, right? And then you come in here and you're like, Chris, that was good. But man, Keller on the podcast this week was awesome, right? And so it's so easy for, for consumerism to kind of creep into the church where we, we begin to adopt the consumeristic mindset that we live the rest of our life with. What am I talking about? Think, about? think about it like this. Do you know Burger King's slogan? Your way right away at Burger King now? No? Yeah, you guys are healthy eaters, right? It's no Burger King for us, right? How about Verizon, right? We're always, what, working for you. Do you guys know these slogans? They just, maybe not. Maybe it's like no consumerism. What, Jay? But, so, but, but, here, but here's, here's what happens subtly without us realizing it, is this consumeristic kind of thinking and mindset, the way we approach so much of life, it creeps into our mind and heart where we begin to approach church that way. Where we come into church and it's like my way right away at 24 Church Now. Or we come in and we think our pastors are always working for us, Right? And so it's just easy to get that kind of consumeristic mindset with church where we feel like you know, folks need to spoon feed us. And so pastors hear this all the time. I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. And they look at verses like this and say, see, the early church was being built up. And I'm not being fed. So I want to go somewhere where I can be fed. Listen, being fed has far more to do with your heart and your readiness to hear the word of God than it does the skill or the quality of the messenger, the, the one that's preaching the word. 
It, it has everything to do with your readiness to hear the word. J.I. Packer once wrote, and I love this quote. He said, God is pleased in his mercy to use the needle of truth in the haystack of error. Don't you love that? I think about all those sermons I preached when I was 20. You know, and God is pleased in his mercy to use the needle of truth in the haystack of error. What does that mean? Well, that means if your pastor or the, the preacher of the day has an average day, an off day, if he's got a needle of truth, God can use that in his mercy to build you up if your heart's ready. If you're hungry and eager and ready for God's word, you'll be built up. And so the early church was being built up, but it, it didn't have as much to do with the quality of the preaching they were receiving. It had everything to do with the posture of their heart and their readiness and their eagerness to be built up. In other words, the mature are easily edified. It doesn't take an all-star sermon to build you up. It takes a heart that's hungry for the word. Do you hear that? Because you, you, can, you can just take a morsel and feast and that's what, that's what was going on in the early church. They were hungry for God's word. They were ready to hear it. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord. Now that's a curious phrase, isn't it? Because you've heard it like I've heard it, right? Um, there's 365 times the Bible says, don't be afraid. How many of you heard that, right? It's like one for every day, right? Don't be afraid. We just got through the Christmas season, and when the angels came to announce that Jesus was going to be born, what did they say? Everybody's freaking out because an angel's showing up. What do they say? Don't be afraid, right? But here you see that they were walking in the fear of the Lord. The Proverbs say that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how do these things go together? What does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord? Well, I love the way one pastor said, he said, when, when, we're, when we're walking in the fear of the Lord, it doesn't mean that we're afraid of him and we want to run away from him. But it means that we're, we're, we, we have such a holy fear of him that we don't want to run away from him. We're afraid to run away from him. Do you see that? It's not that we're afraid of him and we want to get away from him, but it's that we have such a holy fear of him, we're afraid to run away from him. So this one pastor explained it this way. He said, we were doing a barbecue in the backyard, and uh, my, I, I left something in the car, so I asked my kid to run out to the car to get something out of the car. So he takes off running, and the people's house we were at has like this big dog, and immediately it's like, Roo! the dog's on his tail. And, and so the kid, like, freezes. And, he, and, and the owner of the, the, the house and the dog says, oh, I forgot to tell you, the dog doesn't like when you, when you run away from him. Just walk right next to him. That's it. That's the fear of the Lord. It's the kind of fear that says, I don't want to run away from God. I don't want to run, I don't want to run, I don't want to run away from him. But I fear him in such a way that I need to walk really close. That's the fear of the Lord. In the early church here, we're walking in the fear of the Lord. And then look at this next phrase. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is Comforter. I love that. Usually in life, we don't want God to comfort us. We want Him to make us comfortable. We want Him to take away our uncomfortable circumstances, right? And that's what we beg Him to do. God, we don't want you. We just want life to be easy. God, we don't want your presence. We just want comfortable circumstances. But that's not the way it usually works. God rather says to us, you know what? I know every detail of your life, and I can step into your life right now and provide divine, supernatural, unfailing comfort from the living God. If you'll open up your heart, if you'll receive my comfort. My, my little girl's nine, and she asked me a couple of months ago, she said, Daddy, do you, do you ever get, and I think there were five reallys, really, really, 
really, really, really sad? And, and I said, yeah, I, I get really, 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 really sad. And I told her that. I said, I said, you know, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is Comforter. And it was just like that truth just for her was enough that day. For, what it, for whatever reason, saying, you know what, that's God's very name is, is Comforter. He knew life would be hard. He knew life would have sad days. He knew we would go through seasons of darkness and depression and melancholy. He knew that life would just not go our way and we would need to be comforted. Um, we had some cold temperatures recently. And uh, it's not so bad this morning. Uh, I always feel like we get gypped off when it gets like below 20 degrees and there's no snow. Anybody else feel that way? So the snow was nice, wasn't it? Um, I'm sorry if you don't like it, but it's fun. It's beautiful. I can't see the snow without thinking, though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Anybody like that? So you just see snow, and it's just like, yes, God. You, like you wanted to drive that truth home in our hearts so much today that you just put snow all over the ground. It's just amazing. Well, when it's cold, I love a good fire, and I love getting close to a fire, and I love just getting warmed by a fire. It's, like, it's, it's that way being comforted by God. In the same way that you, you can't get warm unless you get really close to the fire. You can't get comforted unless you get really close to God. You, you can't stand off and say, God, I want to run my life. I want to do my own thing. I, want, I don't want you up in my business, but I need your comfort on the sad days. You've got to get really close to God like you get really close to a fire to get the warmth of the fire, to get the comfort that God wants to give you through His Spirit. God wanted to be so close to us that he put his Holy Spirit closer than our skin. He put his spirit in our hearts to dwell inside of us. Isn't that great? Some of you here this morning, you, you, you kind of have those woe is me feelings. You have those ideas that you're not worth anything or that God's not interested in you. He loves you so much. And he wanted to be so close to you that he put his spirit closer than your skin. He cares about you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows where you are, and he wants to comfort you in your sadness today. Um, well, the, this last phrase is kind of it's kind of the, the focus of our message this morning. So look at verse thirty-one with me again. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now I just need a, a mighty roar here this morning. I want you to say it multiplied with me. Because we really got to get this. We really got to understand this. Because Luke is commending to us what was happening in the early church. And he wanted us to understand that the church was multiplying. So on the count of three, can we just say it multiplied from that deep place? Like, like you're really awake this morning. Can you go there with me? One, two, three. It multiplied. Now that was pretty good. That was kind of like we're going to humor the pastor here. I hate when pastors do this. You're the one that's supposed to be speaking, not us. We're listening. You, you know. So, but I, I, come on, let's let's do this, okay? Because Luke is saying, hey, there was something going on special in the early church, and he doesn't want us to miss it, and he wants us to embody it. So let's just say it and get it on our tongues, and then maybe it may seek into our hearts this morning. So on the count of three, just a little louder, let the kids know over in kids' worship what was happening in the early church. Are you with me? One, two, three. It multiplied. Now that was better. I appreciate that. I'll go home a little encouraged. The church multiplied. It was crazy because it multiplied despite the persecution they were experiencing. I mean, the church was an unstoppable movement. 
Jesus' promise was, uh, upon this rock, Peter, upon your confession that Christ is Lord, upon this rock, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so you see the church scattering and multiplying. Well, how does the church multiply? Well, it starts with compassion and real love for real people. It starts with this idea that my coworker and my neighbor and that person that I see at the coffee shop or at the gym, God loves them and they're far from him and they don't have the peace that comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and they don't have a relationship with God, but I want them to know God and that comes from a place of compassion. And so for a church to multiply, what's got to happen in the hearts of their people is that God gives them a compassion for the lost, a real love for those that are broken and far from God that need to be in a relationship with God this morning. So I ask you this morning, is that in your heart? Do you care about the lostness of this region? Do you care about the lostness of your neighbors and your co-workers? And if you're not, a simple prayer that you can pray this morning is, God, would you just break my heart? God, would you, my, my heart feels calloused, my heart feels hard. Would you, would you break my heart and give me compassion? It starts with compassion, and then it, and then it flows into a commitment to say, we're going we're to plant churches. Whatever it takes, we're going to plant churches. About 10 years ago, my wife and I had an opportunity to join a church planting team in New York City. It was crazy. We were at our home church at First Baptist Clarksville, and we had spent a little time in New York City, and God had gripped our hearts with how strategic that city was and his global purposes and we reached out to a team that had just started planting a church there in the city. And the next thing you know, God was calling us. We had the mother of all yard sales. We sold our cars and everything we owned just about. And we moved into a tiny little 750 square foot apartment in New York City. And we were pregnant with twins and we had an almost two-year-old. <laughs> That's crazy. But we saw a city that had millions of people. And our hearts were gripped with compassion. And we sensed a calling in it. God gave us a commitment to go to reach these people. We had a vision to plant churches all over the city because we knew a church in Manhattan is not going to reach people way out in, in Brooklyn, right? A, a church in Manhattan is going to reach people that lived there. And so we joined this team and we got things solidified and we saw the church grow and it was amazing. And we kind of hit a peak of about 125 people. And this was amazing for it to be in a tiny little space in New York City to see 125 people coming. But we were casting a vision to plant churches and to multiply as a church. And we had a guy that developed a passion and a vision for Brooklyn. And a guy that developed a passion and a vision to plant in Queens. And a guy that developed a vision to plant in Jersey City. It was awesome. But it was hard. It's really painful. <laughs> really painful. Because we were committed to planting churches because we had compassion for the people of the city. And so we sent the guy out, Nathan Tubbs, who planted Cornerstone Church in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So if you've got a cousin that lives in Bay Ridge, text him right now and say, hey, you can go to a church in the Gregory Hotel right now. It was planted about eight years ago, seven years ago. And, and then we sent Stephen Kim out. And each time we sent these guys out, we sent little pockets of people with them to kind of help them get this church started. So over about a year's time, we went from about 125 to about 95. It felt like a punch in the gut. We were sucking wind because we lost all these great leaders, but we had sent them to plant churches. And today, rather than there being one church with 125 people in New York City, in Manhattan, today there's four churches scattered all throughout the city because... We just said yes to the Lord. Whatever it takes, we're going to plant churches. We're going to send people to these places. It's really remarkable what God did. 
And so today, I just, I'm so thankful that there were people that had a vision for this area to plant 24 Church. To say, you know what, we're going to invest and we're going to plant a church where there's not one, where there needs to be one that, that just speaks in the language of the people, that resonates in the hearts of the people. And look what God did. Look what God did. It's incredible. I was, I was just on my knees worshiping this morning. And 12 years ago, in this place, that wouldn't have been possible, right? How old is, how old is 24 Church? Maybe it would have been possible 12 years ago. 14 years ago. Not in this place. Thank you. That was an accurate statement. You see it. You see it because you lived it. You, many of you this morning, maybe you've been attending here for a month. You are the recipient. You, you have received because people had compassion and had a commitment to plant churches in this area. And so we're thrilled. I'm, I, your pastor's my coach. Uh, ben Atkinson back there on the, in the board back there, he's helping us think through strategy and all kinds of things, super encourager to our work. And we just feel so fortunate to be locked arms. I, I, um, in September, I was in Arizona, in September I drove to meet with these guys. My, the pastor at my home church said, hey, you really ought to come and meet with us. Our hearts have been turning back to this area. And so we flew in and... Um, I was at my parents' house over by Dunbar Cave, and so I drove straight out to Carmel Elementary School, just kind of as a, as a, as a uh, just kind of like a little place to say, this is where some growth, we're seeing some growth. So I drove out there, and um, it was early in the morning, and I knew I was going to get to see neighborhoods that didn't exist 10 years ago. And I drove through those neighborhoods, but I saw these kids standing out waiting for the school bus. It was like the perfect time. And as I drove through these neighborhoods, my heart just broke with compassion. It was stirred with compassion of all these people. That lived in this, in, in, and there's not a church nearby. I mean, there's a couple of churches nearby, but just people over and over and over again. 33 people a day are moving to Clarksville. It's amazing how the city's growing. Big companies are moving in left and right, and jobs are opening up. And it's just incredible the need for churches to be planted in, in that area. And so your pastor saw that, and other pastors have seen that, and they've been praying for, for years that God would raise up the planter in his perfect time to, to, to go. And so I met with these guys, and I was stunned by the kingdom unity. A lot of times when you plant a church, the existing churches are like, hey, what are you doing on our turf here, right? What are you doing in our hood? But here were pastors that were actually praying, God, send us a planter. It was amazing. And almost immediately, I had this sense that God would lead us to, to plant this church. And so the encouragement that we've received from the kingdom unity of the, of the pastors is incredible. Um, but I want to invite your church to just to do a couple of things. Um, encourage your pastor because he's my coach. So <clears throat> keep, keep him filled, filled with the joy of the Lord because he's got incredible kingdom work that he's doing. Um, pray. Pray for our work. When, when we work, we get what we can do. But when we pray, we get what God can do. And we want, we want what God can do. Um, and some of you, I'll invite you to pray about whether or not God would lead you to be a part of this work, to be a part of the hands and feet of the multiplication, to say, you know what, 24 church is going to multiply, and we're going to send a little pocket of people down there to help plant that church. Let me give you a couple of ways to think about it. Here's, 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 here's about three ways you can think about it. One, uh, when, when, we, when we launch, uh, Lord willing, this fall, uh, some of you may say, you know what, hey, we could come and help you with childcare for about six or seven weeks. And the reason that would be incredible is because our core team would then uh, really get to be able to connect with a lot of the adults that, that are gathering there. 
rather than being kind of tucked away, they would be able to build real relationships with people and ask them to go to lunch. And you know how important that is. You know how important that is. So, that, so there's, there's one way that you could serve. Another way is what we call scaffolding people. So you know when you build a building and you put scaffolding up aside the building to get it up, and once the building gets up, you pull the scaffolding away. You, you guys know that, that idea. So you could be a, a scaffolding church planter. You could be a scaffolding missionary, a scaffolding helper, where you come down and you say, you know what, we're going to help you for a year get this church going. And then when, when things really get going, about a year later, we're going to circle back around and settle back into our home church, 24 church. So we're going to go for, for on a year-long mission trip uh, with Real Life Church. That's the name of the church we're going to plant. But we'll go on a year-long mission trip to help you get things up, and then we'll circle back around. But perhaps there's a, a couple of you uh, that, that just sense this stirring to say, you know what, it's, it's time for me to practice what we've been preaching. It's time for me to live what I've been listening to. And I need to go and be a part of your core team and just... The real life church needs to be my church. I need to be sent out, commissioned out of 24 churches as a missionary to help this work. We would love that. And that would be amazing. And uh, would you pray about how God wants you to participate in this new plant? Um, the early church, the church... Um, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. It was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplies. It multiplies. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful that you love us today. That you chose us and you adopted us. You've captured our heart, Lord, and you've brought us into your family. Thank you for the beauty of your family. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your family. And Father, we pray that today you would embolden us, Lord, to love our neighbor well. Lord, we're talking about um, a church plant that's going to be planted in, down the road in, a, in, another, in another neighborhood. But Lord, the truth is, is you've called us all to live on mission. And many of us, we just need a prompting from your spirit. We need an opportunity, Lord, to love our neighbor, to speak the gospel to them, to tell a story, to listen to their burdens. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would give every one of us here today fresh eyes to see our reality, that we too might be a part of your multiplying work here. It'll happen in our areas of work or in our neighborhood or at the gym. Or So, Spirit of God, we pray that you would do this work in our hearts. We need you to stir us and to give us compassion, to give us a boldness. Lord, I pray you would do that here. Father, if there's those that you're stirring their heart to be a part of real life church, Lord, to be sent out, Lord, I pray you'd give them courage to walk in faith. Though they don't know everything it's going to look like, that they would walk in faith to honor you. Bless this church now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.